Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of the CHGO Bulls podcast, HQ Edition, with Will Gottlieb, that's me, and my good friend Mark K at MK Hoops down in Australia. We are brought to you, as always, by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and be sure to use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Mark, it is a Saturday morning at like 8.39 for you. How are things going over there? How are you feeling? How's your weekend treating you? Well, it's just started, William. The weekend's just started, but uh, it's pretty cold here today, mate. We're entering uh, winter as... Uh... As, as things tend to happen at this time of year in the Southern Hemisphere. So it's going to be a cold, cold day here. But having said that, in terms of Chicago, weather it be probably a bombing day. But uh, yeah, it's not ideal. But other than that, mate, I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. How have you been? It's good. Yeah. Just as you said, it's getting a little warm. There was like a week right after you left where it was really hot. And then it got cold again and there was snow on the ground. And now it's starting to warm back up. The flowers are blooming. There's sun outside. I'm ready to spend some time outdoors, but first we got some bulls to talk about. We got some more secret moves, some real G's moving in silence. The bulls front office, AK Arturis Karnaschovas reported by Darnell Mayberry and maybe some, uh, some previous recording or uh, reporting, I should say a couple of weeks ago from our mate Joe Cowley had uh, a tip on this as well that some mm. of the Bulls' front office, um, sort of the major players, have received an extension. Um, obviously, this is huge news on its own, but the fact that it wasn't widely reported, I think, is a little bit interesting. It tracks with what happened earlier this year with Billy Donovan um, and news breaking of that as soon as uh, everybody started to turn their blame towards Billy. Coincidentally, a report came out that he had signed a new contract extension. Um, you know, coincidence that that's happening now again after all these, uh, after the the AK grace period has ended and, and people are starting to uh, question and criticize his moves. Maybe, probably not, but we'll see. Anyway, uh, when this came out, it was in a Darnell Mayberry mailbag question at The Athletic. You guys should go check that out because there's a lot of good stuff in there anyway. But um, as part of this response, Darnell wrote, Karnaschovas has a good working relationship with Bulls COO Michael Reinsdorf, which can and likely will keep Karnaschovas through a second contract. One source said the Bulls quietly handed an extension to Karnaschovas recently 
as well. Um, let's let's take out for a moment the fact that this was not publicly announced. There was no PR statement or anything like that. Um, let's let's put that to aside for a second, and we'll incorporate that in a bit. But just on its face, Karnaschovas getting an extension. What were your what were your thoughts on that? Well, I guess it's hard for me to remove this this, this secret element of it because that was my initial thoughts. Um, but if we take that away and this idea that he has received an extension of some sorts, I guess then the question then becomes, does he deserve an extension? And based on results, based on the way things have happened, I would say no. <laughs> so if we're removing the complete like secrecy element of it and just judging it on its merits, on its performance... I don't think it's warranted, but it's also not surprising given the way a Reinsdorf-owned team is treating its executives, whereby they always seemingly favor their executives, seemingly uh, prioritize their, their executives. And look, we, we joked about this when uh, Karnaschovas got the job in Chicago, that this is the type of gig that you want to have, whereby you, you, you align yourself with an ownership group that, like they did with the previous guys, almost gave these guys lifetime contracts. They didn't fire John Paxson. John Paxson went up to them and said, I'm out, look, look, look I'm no more. And rather than firing John, they basically just moved him up into the, well, they I promoted the front him. office. Yeah, they, they promoted him again. Promoted <laughs> him into a hands-off role where yeah, yeah, yeah. he, you know, is more of an advisor, but he is still obviously a part of the Bulls organization. He's connected to the team. He's probably still clearing checks. So this ownership group, whatever, whether you want to call it loyalty or something else, uh, they really ride for their guys. And whoever those guys might be, typically executives, they really they really ride for those people. So uh, it's not surprising that they would do so here with, with a tourist. And I'm sure he's done things that we can't see behind the four walls there in, at, in the United Center that um, maybe has, you know, in... in I don't know. Maybe ownership just feel the the place has changed, the mood has changed, the culture has changed. Things that we can't necessarily see or feel. Maybe those things uh, merited or or were worthy of an extension. The things that we can't see, his relationships with people around the building, maybe that's worthy of an extension. I don't know. I'm speculating. I'm trying to rationalize it. But on what we can see, which is purely from a basketball ops point of view, the way they've handled obviously the team, the roster, the inactivity, the the results on the floor. Based purely on that, I, I don't understand it, but it is what it is. Yeah. For me, I was not surprised by this news at all. I mean, mm-hmm. the the secrecy uh, sort of element of it aside, um, it just felt like they were never going to give a front office group three years and then like no. call it a day. I mean, I think that's just a really, even if you're, you know, a, a new president of basketball operations coming in, like that's a tough window to work in. And obviously you need to have sustained success. Um, you need to have success right away. You need to win every move in order to warrant that job. And I think like, you know, there was the the first period where AK comes in and, and no moves are really made until the trade deadline where, you know, the dominoes finally started to fall. Um, but at that point, like you've got, you know, a year and a half or two, two and a half years to, to really make progress. I think that's just like a really difficult thing to do. Now, what he's actually done, um, and and we've talked about it before, I think you and I both agree that like the idea, the original plan was a good one. I liked the idea of it. I could see why that would work. And it did work for a period of time. Obviously, 
that ended shortly thereafter. And um, I think the future outlook is where we start to have some pretty significant questions. But to me, the idea that he was ever not going to get a contract extension, um, I just didn't think that was ever going to happen. So deserving or not, I'm not surprised by that. Um, you mentioned, though, that the secrecy aspect of it, the fact that this was not, um, that there was no PR statement that this you know, news came out, that that was something that you know, maybe bothered you or at least was difficult to dis- disconnect from mm-hmm. the deserving nature of it. What, what did you, what were your thoughts there? Well, I just, well, f- firstly, from a human perspective, like, and, and maybe AK just doesn't want people to recognize it. And, and maybe it, it's in part because the Bulls haven't necessarily had a good season. And maybe he would feel differently if they won 55 games and were still playing in the playoffs. Maybe at that point, he'd be, his chest would be a little bit uh, expanded and he'd be walking around a little bit taller and would want this news out there. But even just from like, what, irrespective of whether he wants it or not, like, you would think ownership or whoever's making this decision would just want to make it clear with everyone that this is the situation. Like, why are we finding out such such huge news like this? Like, this is the figurehead of your organization. Why are we finding out through a source in a mailbag that Darnell's writing about in May after the team hasn't played basketball for, you know, three, four weeks? Why are we finding out in this way that someone like AK has been extended. Like, okay, cool. Fair enough if it was like JJ Polk or one of the assistant coaches or things like that where it doesn't really matter if we don't know their contract status. But this literally is the dude that's running the Italian thing from a basketball ops point of view. Why would you not want to communicate that more generally? So that that's from an ownership point of view. AK himself, like, wouldn't he want this to be out there and known just so it's very clear? And like I said, maybe he would be more proud of it being out there if the record was what it was or sorry, wasn't what it was and was better. And then maybe he could wear that as a, you know, some sort of pride. Maybe he's not, he's not that type of guy, but irrespective of that, like, this is the thing that bothered me about Billy. Like, uh, an extension of sorts is almost like a, it's not a promotion, but it's a, it's a reward of work done. Someone clearly within the building is recognizing your efforts and, and is deciding you've done a good job. We want to make sure that you stay around here. Like, why would you not? That that it, again, park all the Conor stuff. Park how we feel about the job he's done. You, if you're signing someone to extensions, you're you're signaling signaling your intent to keep this person around because you're valuing them. If you value them, why would you not make it public to your fan base, to whomever, to the stakeholders that this guy is sticking around? You value this guy. Why would you not want to tell that to the people? So the fact that we find this information out through a third party, through a source, it just it just doesn't make any sense. I don't understand it. Like, what is the strategic benefit here for the Bulls doing it this way of keeping things so secret? It just it just doesn't make sense as to why they do it this way. And if anything, like, okay, maybe they're trying to keep it secret because the results have been the results, and maybe they just don't want people yelling it in their mentions on Twitter or whatever it might be. But Eventually, the news is going to get out regardless. The the news of him being extended is going to get out there. And if anything, you're just going to amplify the uh, the negativity by keeping it a secret, not announcing it, and people finding it out weeks or months later. It's, it's just dumb on all levels. I just, I just don't get it. Yeah, I don't think it bothers me as much as it seems to bother you. Certainly, this doesn't strike me as offensive as the Billy one. Just because, again, I was always expecting 
AK to be around for a while. Like I just, the idea that they would bring in a, a new GM after all those years, after yeah. the reported, um, the idea that like this the exhausting search for a GM and how much energy and effort this took and what a, what a commitment it was. Like, this is not like signing a player to a three-year extension or even signing a coach. Like, this is something that I think was always going to be a staple. Um, and, and I don't think it's something that is necessarily off base in terms of the fact that they, they don't seem to really ever report that kind of thing. Um, the Billy one, I think was way straight, way more strange because like Woj is reporting Nick nurse got fired, uh, that bud got fired. Um, that these guys are that Imeoduka signed a deal. Like these things are, I think are more of the caliber of transaction that runs through the agents and the agents know about and the agents report or the agents tell the reporters to report. Um, so that was just like way more surprising to me. Um, and I think, you know, I'm not sure exactly what the details of AK's first contract was, whether it was four yeah. years or six or 10 or however long. Um, but for a coach to be signed to an extension, like two full seasons before the end of his contract, I mean, mm-hmm. that, that wouldn't happen for a player, right? Like that just, that's not how no. it works. Um, and I imagine that most coaches don't get that kind of extension. Um, and like I said, I mean, most of these front office groups, like you don't really hear those kind of details about how, how long their contracts are, what they're making and whether or not they sign extensions. Um, but that's also for like some of the more notable ones, like Palenka or Daryl Morey, Bob Myers, like these guys are figureheads of the organization that, that are going to be around. And I think the reason why this is a little bit more surprising is because AK hasn't really established himself as that type of figurehead in the organization. Like I know he is the, the chief decision maker, but he doesn't, I mean, in the same way that like Zach Levine doesn't compare to Steph Curry as a organizational figurehead. Um, it just, I don't know. It doesn't seem as, as strange to me, but um, I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's out of place. But again, I think the Billy one to me was a lot more surprising. And um, I, I think it kind of depends on, you know, how many more years AK had left, whether, you know, this was the last season of his contract and then you extend him. I think that makes a lot more sense. Then obviously you've got, you're, you're being extended heading into the second of your four-year deal. I mean, that that was super surprising to me. Not to say Billy didn't deserve it, not to say they shouldn't have done it, but I think that's where the secrecy element is a little bit more surprising and offensive to the fan base. Um, and then you can, you can sort of loop that in with, does he deserve it? And, and combine those two conversations. I think initially when AK took the job, he had unlimited free reign. People fell in love with him, you know, like he could do no wrong give him time. He's been there for 20 minutes. Look at all the changes that he's made. And I think, you know, there, there were some people we could put you and and myself in that group that were a little bit more questioning, not to say that we didn't agree with the moves, but just that like, he's not flawless, regardless of whether there were some moves that we really liked. There's also some flaws. And um, I don't think that precludes you from getting a contract extension, but um yeah, I, I just I think the the secrecy element of it there makes it a little bit more strange when all of a sudden fans are starting to prod and question and criticize, and now all of a sudden this news comes out that he's got an extension. 
Yeah, I, look, I, look, I wasn't expecting just just to be clear. Like, I wasn't expecting AK to be gone after three seasons or anything like that, or even not expecting him to be back next year. Like, that was never my expectation. Because to your point earlier that you noted, like, unless it's just a complete tire fire, <laughs> execs generally get four to five years at a minimum, generally. Uh, so that but was okay, never my so then, expectation. Then, then I think you have to ask the question: Is this tire fire enough? Because that I think is really where the only scenario where you could where you could say AK shouldn't have gotten an extension or should have parted ways or they should have even fired him. And I can hear uh, Matt from Bloggable already writing a, uh, a Substack piece that criticizes what I'm saying here. But uh, like I think there's an, definitely an argument to be made that like what he's done to this point is tire fire enough to where you shouldn't have extended him sure but even fired him at this point no i don't don't believe that uh i don't think he's at a fireable offense at this point i mean do i think he deserved an extension do i think i does it make any strategic sense to give billy don donovan an extension when they they did no even though i am a a billy guy like it just why would you do that at that point like why there's just no justification for it at that point but I don't think this is at a point where it is complete tire fire situation. Maybe my cha- my my point will change after this off season. Let's see what happens there. But coming back to what I said before, like and what you said, like execs generally just don't get fired after three years, particularly in this organization. So that was never my expectation. But I still haven't heard a good argument as to why you just can't be transparent about these sorts of things. I understand why ownership or management won't be completely transparent with their plans, with their moves, um, what they're thinking and doing from a basketball ops point of view, because why would you tip your hand in those sorts of things? But what what bad is there to, or what, what negatives can truly come from just saying, hey guys, uh, this is what's happening in this situation. We've extended AK, we've extended Billy. Here's a, here's a freaking tweet with a PR release saying this is the, the actions that we as a, as a franchise have taken. Why is that hard to do? And my issue with it is it just speaks to this larger ethos or cultural thing where there's this secrecy around this team. And I don't understand why why that is the case. Even with the Lonzo stuff, it's like, again, like just just it, just be transparent. It, it becomes worse when all this stuff is bubbling away in the background and then it all comes to head at one single point. Like, can't you just be drop feeding us here and there? Why is Billy the one always speaking about these sorts of things? It, it's... I don't know. It's just poor communication all, all around. And I, whether we agree with the extension or not, whether it's with Billy or AK or whatever it might be, I would at least respect the idea that they've come forward and said, here, this is what's happened, rather than finding out, like I said, in some random um, off-season mailbag that Darnell has done. Like That's how it was found out. And it, I think more people are annoyed by how they've found out than the action itself. So... Uh, at least, at least I am. So I, I just, I just haven't heard a good argument as to why you wouldn't communicate something so fundamental like this, something so structural like this. Like every other, well, maybe not every other uh, um, uh, NBA franchise, but like other organizations, maybe outside of the sporting field, they typically announce these types of things where there are changes to structures or they've um, done certain sorts of things like this. Why would you not communicate it? Like, again, I, well, I think, heard I think the answer to that is because they don't, they don't need to like if, if they feel like it's going to be to a detriment to not, or if, if that news leaks, then why would you like, for example, 
Bob Myers contract is up at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. And there has Mm -hmm. been conversation, especially around the beginning of the season where there was the Draymond punching pool thing and Draymond uh, having a player option next year. And could this be the last season and Bob Myers potentially leave? Like there was a lot of smoke around that. And that could be something that the bulls are trying to avoid. That's to play devil's advocate. And I don't think the devil needs an advocate here because I agree with you. Like you should be transparent about that hundred percent with the Lonzo thing. I thought that was really strange that they weren't more transparent about that. That I think was in part because they didn't know the answers, but with a contract extension, you know, the answers. And I think the fans do deserve to know this stuff. Um, but I guess the organization doesn't feel like that's the case. And so they just don't need to, because there are no rules about it. And I think that's wrong, but it's probably how they feel about it, right? I mean, that's that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, and you're probably right. But just because you don't need to doesn't mean you should. Um, they're, they're two different things. And I guess if you really want to connect with your fan base, if you really want to uh, maybe not embolden your fan base, but just treat them with some level of respect, particularly after the season you've had, where you've given little respect to the fan base, Um yeah, I, I, this is something that you would at least try to say. Like I said, it, all all you need is one freaking press release, three words, not three words, three lines, one paragraph, two paragraphs, whatever it might be. It literally would take two seconds to write something up in a in a text format, release that as an image on Twitter as a PR release, and job done. Don't have to hear about it all. Yeah, we complain that he's got an extension, blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, we don't really know what the extension details are. We don't know what his previous contract is. We complain about it for two seconds, and then it goes away. But we're still complaining about it now. Now we're, we're not necessarily complaining about the st- extension. That's not itself, yeah. That's not I'm even not... the element of it that we're complaining about. Yeah, would it would just, it surprise yeah. you if um, if this was handed out last summer with Billy's? Because I think you know Billy kind of alluded to this m- multiple times. Um, this partnership between the two, this idea that mm-hmm. they are they're all involved, and obviously they have their individual roles, but they never use the term package deal, but like, would it surprise you if that was the case where, you know, the organization is looking at this, like Billy and AK both are going to be, you know, in this together. And, you know, AK got that extension at the same time Billy did or Billy or AK got an extension and then immediately gave one to Billy. Um, I think because there's so little detail surrounding this, it just, none of these things would really surprise me. It's just kind of a, a random thought, I guess. No, I think that's that's exactly where my head went. Like that was my immediate thought was, okay, did did AK get this extension at the same time that Billy got his? It would make sense if at a strategic level, again, I don't agree with handing out extensions at that point in time, but if you're handing one to the coach, why would you not also do it to the executive at that same time? Now, maybe their contract situations were completely different. Maybe the timing of it was a, not aligned in that way. Maybe I think Billy signed a four-year deal. Maybe AK had a five-year deal as an example. So maybe it didn't make sense to align it from that point of view. I don't know. But that was my thinking as well, that if if Billy got his extension in the start, well, in last offseason, the start of the season, did AK get his then? But the way it was worded by Darnell and yeah, I think in Joe's piece as well, like it sounded like it was more of a, a recent thing. Now, again, I'm speculating... I mean, semantics recently can mean a whole du- whole number of different things. Was it like literally last week? Was it one month ago, two months ago, three months ago? What, what does recently mean? Does recently go back to preseason when Billy got his extension or when we, we heard news of it at least? Well, well, well it wasn't even... 
we didn't hear hear of it in the preseason. We heard of it during the season, but it seemed like the extension for Billy happened in the preseason at some stage. Uh, was AK's then as well? We don't know. Again, this adds to the secrecy of the entire thing, including Billy's. But that was my thought as well. But the way I interpret it after reading it, it sounded like AK got his thereafter and it may happen maybe more in the season, whereas Billy's was clearly pre-season of sorts. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Because, again, we just don't know many details about this because it was not released as news. It was reported through sources, and that's the way this stupid team operates. Yeah, and I think that's another key point here is that now we're here making guesses. We are here speculating about the details, about why it happened, and not, oh, this is what it is. Let's react to the news. I think that's where things can get a little iffy. Um, I'm going back to look at some of the original reporting behind the original hire. And uh, in 2020, when they made the hire, Casey Johnson of NBC Sports Chicago reported that as head of basketball operations, Karnashovis will have the authority to hire a new GM and make subsequent hires throughout the organization. So to me, you know, this idea that maybe he and Billy are a package deal probably doesn't make sense in that regard, just because AK is overseeing the rest of, you know, the organization throughout the front office and the coaching staff. I mean, he is the one making those decisions. And so in some ways, like if there was going to be a move within the front office, like AK seems like he would be already, you know, impervious to anything like that. And that, you know, maybe Mark Eversley or, you know, some of the other assistant GMs or, or something like that might be the ones that take the fall. Um, but it just, it, it never really felt to me like, AK was ever going anywhere. I, I get that the fact that, you know, there, there's so much guessing and speculation around this reporting that it becomes, I think, more damaging. But to me, like the bigger question is, what does this mean for the outlook of the team and team building moving forward? Um, I think we can start to talk about that. But first, let's pay some bills here. And I want to tell you guys about Fubo TV. Fubo TV is a live streaming channel with 140 plus channels of live sports, shows, movies, and news. You can stream live TV from any device and watch the most Chicago sports for the lowest price. And you can start watching immediately with just a seven-day free trial. There's no contract, no cable, no hassle. You just sign up and start watching. You can also get a 1,000 hours of cloud DVR. So I think I made this joke already, but I'm going to make it again because over the summer, I'm going to be spending a lot of time re-watching Bulls games. So if you are a psychopath like me and you want to rewatch all those Bulls games, you've got a thousand hours of 42 losses to go through at no extra charge. You can also watch local teams while you're traveling. So a lot of times, you know, you're on a summer vacation or whatever it is, and you're not able to watch games because you don't have the local network. Well, Fubo TV solves that. And they have all of the major events coming up. They just had the NFL draft on ESPN, but NBA draft is coming up. The lottery is in 11 days, can't wait. Um, and then the draft after that, you've got the NBA playoffs and then Cubs on Marquee and White Sox on NBC Sports. Anything you want to watch Chicago sports related, they've got it. So if you want to watch Marquee or NBC Sports, Cubs, Sox, whatever it is, do so with Fubo TV. You can use the link in the description and sign up for 15% off your first month with Fubo Pro. And look, if you're going to be spending your summer your summer months here uh, re-digesting these Bulls games, might I suggest 
that you grab a few beers while you do so because you're probably going to need it. Let's be let's be fair. If you're going to be spending time going over that nonsense again, you need something to drown your sorrows. And what better way to consume that terrible, terrible basketball than getting some uh, some sweet, sweet Goose Island down your throat? So, of course, by now, friends, you know that CHGO is supported by the best beer company in the world. That is, of course, the Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer since 1988 and whilst we have questions about the bulls roster we have zero questions about the ch uh, sorry not well zero questions about the chto roster but also zero questions about the goose island roster itself i mean you got the goose ipa the six-time medal winner at american at the great american beer fest i mean it speaks for itself that that's just a championship level beer you got the tropical beer hug 312 ale the wheat ale, rather, the full pocket pills, the Matilda, that's my favorite. Uh, I know Matt and Dave love their nose plans as well. So the, the, the beer lineup that the, the Goose have, well, I've just run it off five, but they have so, so many to go through. So try them all, friends. Like Will said, 42 bull, the Bulls losses. There's almost 42 beers on the, the Goose Island beer roster. So um, for each loss, you can down a different type of beer. But if you've got a, an event coming up, then why not head to one of Goose's uh, – uh, current estab- establishments, you can get down to the, the original brew house on Clybone Avenue in Link- uh, Lincoln Park or their tap room on Fulton Street in West Town. Go to one of those places, enjoy some beer with your friends, drink responsibly, of course, and uh, enjoy your goose responsibly. And um, I-, I would be tipping going the event side of things, getting together with your friends and drinking your beer rather than sitting at home and watching balls games. But if you happen to be doing that, of course, like I said, Get some beer in your hand and uh, enjoy the times that's coming up, particularly in the northern hemisphere. Summer's here, and what better way to uh, what better way to live through summer than with a goose in your hand? Oh, I'm, I'm jealous already. For, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. Yeah, you're going into winter too. Um, yeah. Okay, so so AK's got his deal. It is what it is at this point. Does this change anything for you? I mean, in terms of. We're talking about what the Bulls should do this summer, how tight the money is, how they have no draft picks, how um, they, they just in a really tough spot with, you know, no picks to trade, no draft pick this year, and not a lot of money to do anything more than resign their guys for a team that is a 40 win group. Does this extra job security and runway for AK, regardless of whether he deserves it, does that change for you anything about how you think he will operate? I don't think so. Because ultimately, yeah, I don't either. I the don't key either. structural things are still governed by ownership in some regards, in terms of the uh, you know the, the the strategy from a to tank or not to tank decision. Like whether AK wants to tank, ultimately needs to be ratified by ownership, and I would assume their decision would be not to tank, as an example, or not to rebuild. So I don't think him adding one, two, three, whatever years has been added to the extension again, to emphasize, we have no idea because it hasn't been reported uh, or hasn't been released by, by the team itself. I don't think this extension emboldens him to do anything rash or or that he has now more released to do certain things um, because ultimately those sorts of things still need to be endorsed by or endorsed to the Reinsdorfs and ultimately approved by the Reinsdorfs. Similarly, like with going into the tax as an example, does does uh, AK adding years onto his onto his deal now suddenly make the, the Reinsdorf more inclined to go into the tax? No, I don't think that's the case. So from that standpoint, I don't think this fundamentally changes the the, the larger holistic questions that we still have about the organization. Ultimately, all these things come back to ownership. 
Um, so no, I don't think this really changes anything in that res- in that respect. But what it does mean, I suppose, this is sort of trending in that John Paxson realm, whereby this guy's probably got a lot of job security. That's probably the only thing that's changed for him personally. That he's uh, banked um, a few million more dollars, and you know he's got a little bit richer in that sense, and maybe he's earned that goodwill with with ownership. But beyond that, in terms of the things that impact us as fans, I don't think this ultimately changes many t- more, much at all, really. So. I think a lot of that's true. Um, where I where I think that it could be different, and or where, I guess where where it should be different, whether it actually will, I, I kind of doubt. Is if you have job security as a front office, I, like I listen to a lot of um, a lot of NBA draft podcasts around this time of year, and one thing mm-hmm. that a lot of them, a lot of the smart guys do, is talk about you know if I'm a GM and I'm taking an unknown, relatively unknown prospect that didn't play in college that doesn't really have, you know, measurables like Shaden Sharp for an, for an example last year, nobody really knows anything about this guy. If I'm a GM and I've got one year left on my deal, he could blossom into a star, but like, am I going to be around for that? Um, If I am a GM and I've got like, you know, one year left on my deal and I'm trying to save my job, am I more or less willing to shell out three future draft picks to try to acquire a star today to try to, you know, save my job because in all likelihood I won't be there in seven years when the last one last pick conveys. So I think so. I think the the idea that um, AK now has this, this job security should embolden him to make more bold moves. Like he, he needs to, there, there are no more excuses for him to say, or at least to think like, I don't think you'd ever say this to the media or anybody, but like there aren't excuses now to be like, you know, I might lose my job if we tank or if I try to trade these guys and it, and it doesn't go well, like I, I have a chance to lose my job. That's not the case. So he has an opportunity now to make some of these tough decisions that, you know, if he was worried about his job security, he may otherwise not have. And whether I think that he actually will, I, I don't think this does affect what his um, what his roster building will be, but I think that there's a world where, you know, if he really he says he like is a he watches the game like a fan and and he feels the losses. If that's the case, then he also has to feel the fact that like the ceiling here is forty six wins. Like they hit their ceiling last year, two seasons ago now. Um, so he has to know what that is. And if he actually is a fan, you also know that with limited draft assets and mobility and limited cap space and cap flexibility, that the only way out is down. And if I have job security, I'm more willing to go that route. And whether that's something the Reinsdorfs want to do or not, AK's job is to say, is to make a compelling argument to go into the tax, to make a compelling argument of why we need to go to the bottom and why this won't go as poorly as it did last time for X, Y, and Z reasons. Um, I've laid it out a million times why I think this rebuild, this upcoming rebuild that I think is inevitable at some point um, won't be, doesn't have to be as bad as the last one. If they just like, don't mess it up as badly as you actually get future draft picks. If you actually get talent beyond like moving up in the drafts, what was it? Nine spots and uh, a guy on a torn ACL and Chris Dunn, like you can do so much better. And I think if he is the fan that he says he is, if he is as secure in his role as he appears to be, 
and that he reportedly is, then he really has no excuses but to make those hard moves that you know won't necessarily lead to good basketball in the short term, but that will lead to a more sustainable and better future in the long term because he'll be around for that. He doesn't have to worry about missing out on that. Um, and I think the fact that he traded away those picks when he first got the job indicates that he has um, security until then. But now that he has an extension, that should continue to be the case. Like he should be thinking down the road. And frankly, that's his job. Like he, his job should not be to sit in the stands and watch uh, a close loss to a good team and say, well, we might be good this year because we only lost to the Celtics by 10 this year instead of by 30 last year. You can't operate that way if you're at the front office. And I think that's why Billy Donovan is the spokesperson for the team because he has the excuse to be able to talk about the day-to-day stuff because that's the coach's job to talk about the day-to-day stuff. Arturis has to be thinking long-term and with a long-term contract, he has the security now to go out and make the tough calls. And it's his job to convince ownership that he has to do that. And maybe ownership just will never do it. You know, we had that whole um, Jerry Reinsdorf panel the other day um, talking about finishing mm-hmm. second and, you know, spending yep. whatever and, you know, being uh, like being sort of buoyed by your stupidest competitor Um whatever it is, like maybe he will never listen and, and maybe we won't know that AK is making those arguments. But to me, like now that AK has this job security, he has to push as hard as he can to make these tough calls because that's, that's where they are. I mean, that that's what he should be doing anyway. But now with this contract, like there's no two ways about it. That's what he needs to be doing. So I don't, disagree with anything you've really noted and i think in ideally like that's the role of you know a lead exec like like ak to to be doing these sorts of things but we're assuming we're assuming his role is to be pushing towards championships to be pushing this team back up to the relevancy that the the celtics have been experiencing for the last five years things that uh other organizations around the nba have consistently tried to be putting themselves in we're assuming that 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 is his mandate and we're we're assuming what his job role should be um, ideally from a fan point of view, that you should always be trying to push towards the top, whether it's the, with your current roster or revamping it via rebuild and having more sustainable long-term success. We're assuming that is his job, <laughs> that that, that in, within his job description, those things exist. I don't know if we should be assuming that. And I was going to bring up the point, but you touched on it there. Like we just got done this week listening to Jerry Reinsdorf talk about so long as your fans feel comfortable that in the last month of the season, in the last few weeks of the season, you're still playing for something that your fan base will be happy. If that's what ownership believe, which clearly they do, because that was literally Jerry talking about some nonsense then. I assume Jerry believes that because that's what he said. I assume Michael believes that as well. If that is the mandate that they are setting for AK, then that is his job description. That is his, what his role should be, that to, to keep the team competitive, to get them in the postseason, to be a 40, 40 to a 42 to, let's say, 48 team, win team. If that's the expectation of ownership, then that's what AK's job is, whether we like it or not. So I don't know if he's out there positioning to, to ownership that, hey, we should be going towards a rebuild. Uh, we should be doing this or that, something that sets us back one, two, three steps now in the short term because in in the future, it may 
it may put us forward and we may have sustainable success. I don't know if he's doing those sorts of things because why would he if ownership are not asking for those sorts of things, if they're not endorsing or wanting those sorts of things? So I, I don't, I'm not confident that he's doing that well. And, and I, we, we can sit here and say like this is what an elite exec should be doing and I completely agree with everything you noted, but we're assuming that's within his job description and if that's not the job description that ownership has set when he signed on for the deal or signed to, to take over from Paxson then we shouldn't assume those sorts of things are happening. And maybe maybe this is all AK's vision, the whole continuity thing, the, the whole running it back thing. Maybe that's just what he fundamentally believes in. But at the same time, maybe that's some, some sort of mandate that has been given to him from ownership. So even if he wanted to rebuild and to go backwards, should we have any confidence at all that's what ownership wants? And I don't think we should based on everything Jerry said this week. So... I don't think all that stuff is in AK's job description. And if anything, when, when he came onto the job after that year where he did push some of his chips in to get a competitive team, again, maybe that's something he believed in personally, or maybe that was a mandate that was given to him from ownership to say, can we get this thing back on track? Can we at least be some sort of viable playoff, uh, playoff hopeful type team? He did that. But I would argue like being a 42-44 win team, like that's probably the easiest thing to do in the NBA. So... I would just it is because that's, there's that's been the task that's been given to him. It is the easiest thing to do in the NBA, I think, right now, because there's always going to be eight to twelve teams that are tanking for the bottom. And yeah. even though the Bulls weren't trying to do that, they fell into that category. Um, I obviously, I think you and I agree that this season was a complete failure. Um, yeah, to to state a goal and then to not reach it is a failure by definition. Um, mm-hmm. And I think. For me, looking ahead, this group is like there's a world where they trade, they let Vooch walk and they trade one of Zach or Damar and they stay the same record that they are now and they stay the same competitive level, but at least give themselves some upside because it's not hard to win 40 games in this NBA given the fact that there's always teams that are tanking. Um, So I think that's another argument to say for, for AK to go to ownership and say like, look, even if we trade Zach or Damar, we could still, we could get a good player back that can keep us competitive now while also accumulating draft picks without like changing our current outlook. Um, and I think that's kind of the decision that I think we'll ultimately see this summer um, is one or two of Zach or of uh, Damar and or Vooch Moving on, uh, obviously they don't really have necessarily the control over the Vooch situation, but like there's a very real world where they trade Damar for like Tyus Jones and Luke Kennard or something, and they're just as good because they have shooting and they have a real point guard around Zach, and maybe Patrick has a little bit more usage or something, and they step up. Like they could win 40 games with that group because winning 40 games is not hard to do, and also pick up a future pick. I don't know if that's like a given and I don't think that's like necessarily a compelling argument for ownership but if I'm actually trying to win basketball games and actually consistently be like a 40 to 42 win team which again I don't think is very hard to do like that's the kind of decision I would be looking to make because what if DeMar walks next season for nothing anyway then you're in an even worse position and so like regardless of whether he or ownership want to like try to stay competitive given their age and the fact that they're like two of their three core players are either up or coming up on extensions. Like 
they're going to head to the bottom, whether they like it or not. And so they at least need to like either try to stay competitive by making some moves this year or go down and then try to make a quick recovery, which I think they can do because they have good assets to trade. Um, it's, it's to me, it's like, regardless, it's just kind of inexcusable to not make any moves because yes, there were competitive games down the stretch, but I think we all know, like that was not actually competitive. That was like, yeah, the bulls were in 12th place until the Pacers and the wizards stopped trying. And then they snuck up into 10th. Like that's not an accomplishment. Yeah. But if we're going to sit here and say that being a 40, 42, 44 win team is the easiest thing to do, then we shouldn't assume that they're just going to head to the bottom after next season because, you know, Zach's contracted, uh, the, their 23 pick will be gone at that point. You, you would have reloaded your draft some. Yes. You still owe that pick for the demand in 2025, but your there's there's more picks to trade in the future from that standpoint. Your cap position changes if Vooch walks. Um, if you decide to let Demar walk rather than signing him to an extension, you can create cap space in that scenario. Maybe you bring through another Demar level guy uh, through free agency, and then all of a sudden, hey, you're back to being a 42, 41, uh, 44 win team. It's a different looking team. But if we're going to sit here and say that. Uh, building that type of team is the easiest thing to do in the NBA. That when we, then we shouldn't really assume that just based on the end of this life cycle of this current group that they can't do that again, that they're going to head towards the bottom because I don't think that is necessarily true. I think they can put together pretty quickly and pretty easily, assuming they're willing to uh, part ways with certain assets. They can put together a 45-win team and be that perennial 7-8 seed. Like that, that is easy to do. So I'm not convinced that they're just going to ask fall backwards because if the the intent really is just to do that then okay cool well let's let's trade another first round pick let's trade another let's trade two first future first round picks for x star whoever that might be someone in free agency or someone who's already got a deal whoever that player might be um I, I, they obviously don't have a compelling offer to go after carl anthony towns or someone like that maybe it's a trey young whoever it might be but if you're prepared to shell out all the assets to go and buy a star to future-proof this team, to put someone else next to Zach, that team probably ain't winning a title, but it's going to be a consistent 45-win team. It won't be with Demar and Vooch, but it might be with st- some stars who are now at, at, at you know in that age range of 27 to 30 as an example. So I don't think that we should necessarily assume that they're just going to go backwards. And we can't assume that if we're saying that being a 42-win team is the easiest thing. If, we're, if, if that is our position, then I don't think we should assume that. Yeah, and I think that that's a good argument. And it's why when we talked about the play-in being a detriment to some teams, mm-hmm. the Bulls being mm-hmm. um, probably the yep. key fixture of that, I mean, they, they've they just won the lottery by needing to win 38 games every year and mm-hmm. have competitive play-in games. And look, the Miami Heat were the seventh seed and, and they won our playoff round. So that's like the precedent now. Um, yeah. it really, it really could spell disaster for the bulls, uh, future. I hope that their aspirations are a little bit higher than that. And maybe AKs are, even if ownerships aren't, but if you're right, I mean, if ownership is saying, well, tough luck, like we just want to be this competitive, um, because the fans will pay for tickets, then that's, that's what they might get. But, um, unless they do make some moves and Vooch and Damar walk for nothing, then they're not even going to be at that point. 
and that's going to be an, an accidental tank in a position where you actually can't get any draft picks to, to speed up the, the rebuild. And at that point, you know, who knows what's happening with Zach and, and some of the younger players. Like to me, I think in a lot of ways, some of the star players on the bulls demanding a trade is the best thing that could happen to the bulls where that forces the ownership and front office into the rebuild that they may otherwise not be willing to get into. Um, and it's sad to say, but it's also not that unrealistic. Like why would Zach Levine want to stay here for four more years on his contract when he's made the playoffs once in his career? And mm. he presumably, I mean, I, I see this guy after every loss, like he does not like losing. He hates it. He is really short and upset, visibly frustrated after losses. And you can tell like all these guys don't like losing. And so why would people continue to sign here? Why would players not demand a trade? They secure 200 plus million dollars and go demand a trade. I mean, that's the way that the NBA works nowadays. So in a lot of ways, I do feel like Zach demanding a trade could be the best thing. And it, like I said, it sucks to say because I think Zach's a really good player. Um, he has grown a ton and he's been the longest tenured bull that we have. So losing him would be weird. It would be tough. And you don't want to like lose good players in their prime. But if the bulls are going to ever be good long-term, that could be like the domino that needs to fall. But again, you're assuming that if Zach was to demand a trade, that the the return back for, for Zach would be young pieces and draft picks because that's generally what happens. But as we've seen in the past when they traded Jimmy, they didn't necessarily go for the draft hall package. One of the things that Paxson said when they traded Jimmy that this was going to be an expedited rebuild because they traded for Chris Dunn who already had NBA experience and they traded for, for Zach Levine who at that point had three years experience as well. So that was the ethos there was we're getting guys who have already been in the league. We don't have to wait three or four years just for a guy to get to the point where they are at the same point that Zach was in his career when they traded for him. Now, again, we're assuming that if Zach asks out that they would want young players and draft picks. What happens if they don't? What happens if they want to get just some ready-made guys, some guys that could keep this They can't really get any older than Vooch and Damar. I mean... No, no, no. But at a certain point, there's only like, like one way you can If Zach go. asks out, rather than going down to, to the bottom and, and using that that inflection point as a, a time to rebuild, they could easily just do what the, the Brooklyn Nets just did, whereby rather than trading KD to whatever team with for just a bunch of picks and young guys, they took Michael Bridges and, and Cam Johnson. Now, again, they're, they're youngish players, but they're closer to the prime than being uh, you know, inexperienced guys that haven't necessarily proven things or guys with potential. Like the Nets seemingly want to be that mid-team that just want to stabilize themselves now. The Bulls could do the exact same thing. Maybe not. They're not obviously going to get Bridges and Cam Johnson and four picks for uh, for Zach Levine in the way that the Nets did for for, Kev, for Kevin Durant. But there's, there's that type of deal that exists out there for for Zach, where you're not necessarily trading him out there for picks and young guys. You're trading him out for more established guys. Maybe it's two or three role guys. You're, um, well, they, they did get four picks, and they also got p- yeah. future picks for um, and a established player for Kyrie. Um, similar thing for Ben Simmons. Um, or I guess not Ben Simmons, when they acquired Ben Simmons, like they were trading for players that uh, they acquired. They did that with James Harden to get Ben Simmons, an established player 
and future draft mm-hmm. picks. And now you're banking on other teams, you know, who have limited assets and draft capital uh, to fail. And I think you can still be competitive if you put yourself in a position to do at least that. But I have no problem with that kind of rebuild. Yeah. If you were to get Mikel Bridges or Cam Johnson or Dorian Finney-Smith to put next to Zach and try to retool that way, that's fine. But um, I do think draft picks are kind of, they need to be a part of it at the very least. Um, I'm sure they will you could, be. It's also, in, in some you could capacity, also get, but I'm, yeah. yeah. I'm, all I'm saying is just if we're, we just shouldn't assume that they're willing to bottom out or whether that's this off season because they just feel like that's the best long-term thing. There's, there's, there's no reason based on ownership's history that their actions suggest that that is something that they would want to do. Um, organically at least maybe it happens by accident but as a as a as a uh a, you know a strategic decision even if it's this off season if it comes when it you know if zach should ever demand a trade i don't think we should just assume that they're going to deal him for for picks and whatnot the same way that the, the, the spurs didn't deal Kawhi for picks and, and and a whole bunch of stuff they they took demar and and yucca Pertle and that type of trade like that was their strategic thinking at that point the Bulls could easily do the same thing. And based on their actions in the past, I think that would be um, the more likely scenario. Well, maybe they can retool around Dylan Brooks. We can talk about that after the break. Mark, tell the fans here about Shady Rays. Well, you've kind of thrown me there. I'm not sure you could retool around Dylan Brooks. But nonetheless, <laughs> friends, if, um, if you're approaching the summer months, as I know you all are over there in the northern, hemis- northern hemisphere, the sun is coming out, then you need gear that is built to last. And our friends, um, I'm proud to say they have you covered. They, they've got you covered for the warmer months ahead. And when you're out there in the sun, you need to protect your eyes. And what better way to do that than some seriously beautiful, durable, extremely extremely nice and affordable sunglasses so our, our friends at shady rays they've got you covered and again i say this all the time but i just never understood why anyone would pay thousands never of dollars understood. for designer sunglasses why the hell would you do that why the why the f would you do that when companies like shady rays exist they're giving you premium polarized sunnies that are so good, just as good as those name brands, those expensive designer brands. They, they do the exact same thing, but you get this for such a better cost. They look just as good and even better, friends. Our friends that are at uh, Shady Rays have a lost and broken replacement policy. They're whereby you walk out the door after you bought your pair of, of uh, Shady Rays. You lose that pair. You break that pair. You put them in your pocket. And you sit on them when you get in your car, whatever it might be. They can help you out and get you with um, a new pair, no questions asked. It really is that simple. So uh, we're very fortunate here at CHDO to be supported by Shady Rays. If you want to help us out exclusively exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out a deal that um, you absolutely have to take part in. So if you head over to ShadyRays.com and use promo code CHDO, you will receive 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. So try them out for yourself over... 250,000 five-star reviews online. So you know uh, it's not just us here at CHGO saying these things. Literally a quarter of a million people have, have given this given this brand, given these sunglasses, the, the biggest rating that you possibly can possibly can hand out. So get your hands on some Shady Rays and uh, thank me later. Well, thank you when we're done talking about ComEd Energy Efficiency Program here. Mark, could you help well, me talk me, about that? Let me... I would love to talk about that. The ComEd Energy Efficiency Program, William, is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities they serve, helping manage 
energy, energy usage and lower energy bills now and into the future. That's very true, Mark. ComEd offers a wide variety of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across their territories. ComEd offers free facility assessments that can help find energy-saving opportunities like for HVAC systems, commercial kitchen equipment, or industrial processes. I would really love to know how it all works, Will. Can you tell me? I'd be more than happy to, Mark. An authorized engineer will work with you to develop a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and needs. This can be done in person or virtually, and it'll last approximately two hours. Within three to four weeks, customers will receive a report detailing energy efficiency projects that they can start working on, working on immediately, and each recommendation will include estimated energy savings, cost savings, monergy savings, project cost, potential incentives, and simple payback. If you don't, if you own a business, do not wait. So get started saving money and energy and monergy for energy saving tips, lighting incentives, or to schedule your free facility assessment. Go to comed.com slash powering biz. I'm getting a bit old, William. My hearing isn't what it used to be, but did you say comed.com slash powering biz? Is that what you said? I said comed.com slash powering biz. Beautiful. All right, Mark, let's talk about some uh, some things that would not be very efficient for the Bulls offense, and that would be <laughs> the addition of Dylan Brooks. Uh, obviously, there was the report that Shams said uh, earlier this week that under no circumstances are the Grizzlies going to be bringing back Dylan Brooks, which is perhaps the funniest and rudest way that you could ever report anything like that. Um, JJ Redick threw a fit about it on TV. That was funny to watch. Um, I don't blame the Grizzlies for not wanting to bring Dylan Brooks back, but like they lost their series literally two days before that. And it's just kind of comedy that they would uh, go out on a limb. And so uh, John Hollinger of The Athletic and Dunked On Podcast wrote a column and he, he's obviously got ties with the Grizzlies. He worked there for several seasons and, and has a lot of insight. He named a few uh, potential teams that could still be interested in a guy that is a really elite wing defender. Um, he's got really good size. He can shoot threes, not very efficiently, efficiently, but, um, you know, in theory has sort of like the size and build to be a big wing defender. And if you can just like, and this is asking a lot because we've seen for years now that this is not necessarily the case, but if you could rein it in with him and improve the shot selection and just like, we, we talk about this a lot and, and I mentioned it on our show yesterday, like lack of self-awareness is my least favorite quality of a player. And I think that's kind of Dylan Brooks in a nutshell. But if you can get him to a point where he understands that he is more, you know, Suns Mikhail Bridges than Grizzlies Dylan Brooks or Dion Waiters, he could be a good player. So would a change of scenery help him with that? I doubt it, but... Hollinger did note the Bulls as a team that could be interested. What do you think about that? Well, firstly, on Dylan Brooks, I think the reason why he's been able to be Dylan Brooks is because he's been emboldened to be Dylan Brooks. And he, like, this was a team, a very young team. The second emboldened of the day. I might have even been my third or fourth. I'm loving that word at the moment. But uh, the reason why he's been emboldened to be this is because he's literally the veteran in the room like he's the oldest guy in the room this Grizzlies team is super young they don't have a lot of older guys in there 
So who's really going to speak up and tell Dylan Brooks to, to shut the hell up or to, to, to do this or that? Like clearly the coaching staff haven't done that because they've allowed him to do this. They've allowed him to be this type of personality. They've certainly allowed him to take the shots that he has on offense, as have his teammates. So in some senses, it's kind of ridiculous that the, the Grizzlies are choosing now to be very hard and firm with Dylan Brooks when seemingly they haven't done that in the previous three to four years of his tenure there. So could he be reined in now at this point? Maybe not. Like he's 27 years of age. Maybe it's too far gone. Maybe this is just who he thinks he's, he is at this point. But having said that, given the embarrassment that he's just gone through, maybe he's taken some time now to to reflect re- reflect on certain things and maybe he will make that change organically. But also maybe depending on the, the, the place that he lands, he's definitely going to be on an NBA team. This idea that he's just going to be playing overseas and not in the NBA is kind of ridiculous because he, because he is an all-defense type of uh, type of wing defender. People don't like to think that or don't want to give him that credit because Dylan Brooks is Dylan Brooks and people don't like him. But he is an effective defensive player. So to your point, like if you can rein in that personality stuff, if you can just take good, decent shots, uh, I think he can be someone who can add a lot to a rotation. For the Bulls, does it make sense? I think in some senses it does. Uh, it's not a perfect fit. It might not even be a good fit. Culturally, it might not be a good fit. But it also could be, depending on what your situation is. Like if you've got DeMar DeRozan around you as a leader, Vooch, uh, Caruso, they're things that Brooks have just never had in terms of teammates. So maybe he would he would still have some sort of competitive edge, that edge that you like to see from him on a defensive standpoint. But maybe it could be, it could be reined in. And I think the situation will determine... Like where he lands, if he gets on a veteran-laden team, I think you could get the best out of Dylan Brooks. But is that going to be Chicago? Should it be Chicago? Whether it should or shouldn't be Chicago, like Collinger referenced that Brooks could land a deal with the mid-level exception or maybe possibly even more if a team with cap space decides to go bidding on him. We know the Bulls aren't a cap space team. They're not going to be a cap space team. Yeah, sure, they're going to have access to their mid-level exception, but are they going to use that? Using it will likely put them in the tax. So even if... Brooks, you could talk yourself into the player once you hand out a contract to him, unless it's a vet minimum deal, which I'm pretty sure it won't be, then uh, I don't think it's possible because we know that this, this team just isn't going to pay for some, some they're just not going to pay for upgrades. So how do you land Dylan Brooks? Yeah, I think that's really the key that I wanted to drive home here with this conversation. Um, Dylan Brooks is talented at things. He is also detrimental <laughs> at, to at teams <laughs> at, at other things. Um <laughs> And I think like, I, I'm just not sure. I just don't think that's what the Bulls need. Like it would be a talent upgrade. Maybe he calms down a bit. Um, I don't I don't see it necessarily, but like maybe other teams that Hondra lists here, Charlotte, I mean, that would be a disaster. Uh, Dallas, probably a disaster, just given the lack of uh, a steady leader with that group. Um, it's basically like, um, Kyrie and and maybe he comes back and Luca like that. I wouldn't really think that that's a environment conducive to him um, figuring out his his role as an NBA player. Sacramento could be good as Hondra mentions, but um, I just I don't see him really fitting in there unless they lose Harrison Barnes. The one I do like is Portland, where he could yeah. come in and play a big role. They have needed a big wing defender forever. They got Jeremy Grant. They love him. Um, but he could be another just the, I mean, he's the kind of player that they want to fit around Dame. And speaking of Dame, like he is, 
as steady a leader as there are yep. in the NBA. Like yep. he is the ultimate leader in in this game. I mean, it's like him, LeBron, Steph. Like those are the guys I think of when I think of like ultimate, this is my team and like we're doing it this way. Um, so I could see that working really well and they actually have a need for where he fits and they mm-hmm. are desperate to find players like that to try to keep Dame happy. So that I think could be the one area where, or the one team where I see him. Um, but again, I think like the, the main point here is Bulls don't have money to bring in a, a player as a free agent, except for the mid-level exception, which is going to be, I think around 12.2, um, is the latest estimate. And maybe that's in his range. Like there was a report that he wanted 25 million and he wanted to be the guy. Obviously that's not going to happen. That's not, um, yeah. but you know, there's, there's other guys like, you know, uh, today I saw a report, Eric Pincus, a Bleacher Report said that rival executives don't think Gary Trent Jr. will be back in Toronto. I think he'd be a great fit mm-hmm. with the Bulls. Would he take less money to go to a team that wouldn't pay the tax to get him in the first place? Probably not. Uh, Kyle Anderson in a Bleacher Report article, another really nice player that the Bulls would love to have, but it would require them getting under the luxury tax in some other way. Um, Tyus Jones, who I mentioned before, another that's that's the guy that I want this summer is just like a really solid point guard who doesn't turn the ball over, who gets guys into position and um, I think could really expand his role and scale up as, as a facilitator. Um, but none of that could, I mean, none of that necessarily matters if the Bulls don't go into the tax or don't make a bigger trade of one of their stars in order to acquire one of those guys. Yeah, that, that was a, that was the final point I was going to note. Like any free agent that we want to talk about, any player that we'd like to have on this roster, we're, we're going to just going to be saying the same things. And those two things are: well, one, we don't know what the strategic direction this team is going. Are they keeping their guys? Are they trading their guys? So until that is established, it's kind of hard to say yes, I want this player, or, or no, I don't want that player because it is somewhat dependent on obviously the guys that you currently have. But then assuming you keep your core in place, you keep your Zach and Demar and Vooch and maybe Caruso, obviously Pat and possibly Kobe, if that group is returning, then we get back to the conversation that we literally just had now of, well, okay, cool. In order to, for that to happen, you're pretty much going to be up against the tax line. Maybe you're not over the tax line by bringing everyone back, but you get very close to it to the point where adding people from outside the organization, adding someone who is potentially a mid-level exception guy or maybe more, just doesn't become a reality. So whenever I see things about Dylan Brooks or Gary Trent Jr. or insert decent role guy who could be a low-level starter or, or a key bench guy, you need to pay for these guys. And I don't understand how this team is going to pay for them if if they're not prepared to go into the tax. Maybe they are. Maybe they do use their mid-level exception. And maybe maybe that's when we can have a serious conversation about it. But for me, that's uh, I'll wait to a way to see it rather than just believing it's going to happen. So yeah, it, it's, it's, it sucks that we have to operate under this fashion, this um, ultimately throwing all these caveats out there. But again, coming back to how this organization operates, like actions matter than words. And we've seemingly always see them duck the tax, not wanting to go into the tax and signing players like Dylan Brooks or Gary Trent Jr., whoever it may be, they're going to probably put you in the tax. So we have to assume it's not going to happen. We have to assume it's not going to happen. I think that is correct. And unfortunately, that is that is probably how it's going to be. Um, mm. that, that is all for today. 
But real quick before we go, want to give one more shout out to a sponsor at Game Time. Game Time is the easiest way to get tickets day of heading into an event. You can get images from your seat so you know where to buy from. Um, and you can buy in a matter of seconds. Once you pick out your seat, uh, it's no problem. And the tickets are sent directly to your phone. It's the easiest place to get last minute ticket deals. And that means that they'll come at the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or row, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the lowest price guaranteed, uh, even cancellations. And it just helps with the stressful nature of buying tickets. If you are worried or you want to get to a game last minute, make sure to check Game Time for the lowest prices guaranteed. Snag tickets without stress. You can download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code CHGO for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. But again, you create an account at Game Time app and use promo code CHGO for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Um, any last minute thoughts guaranteed from you, Mark, here before we sign out for the day? Uh, just that I'm probably going to be a downer this this um, offseason. I'm pretty sure that's guaranteed. Um, as, as you've probably picked up on today's podcast, that there's just no reason for optimism. And uh, based on the news that we heard this week, it started with Jerry Ronsoff talking some nonsense at that conference that we referenced in the pod. And then this secret, secret extension for AK. I'm just not feeling great at the moment. So um, I guarantee you I'm going to be uh, a pessimist this offseason. So um which is probably going to be the case regardless, but I'll guarantee you that, William. Yeah, that's a guarantee. Um, yeah, I had been feeling recently like, not that the Reinsdorfs weren't to blame for some of this and all of this, but that the moves that AK has made and the lack of moves that he has made have hurt the Bulls in a more immediate way. And while I think that's still true, um, you have convinced me that ownership is still the end all be all and that until they decide that they want to do things differently or a new ownership group comes in, it's going to be, you're going to be hard pressed to find um, a, a real change in process and a real change in the way that they do things. And I think something you mentioned, mentioned earlier about expediting the rebuild and doing things quickly, I think you can look to, trading and signing for older players like Vooch and Tamar of really being like examples of that. Why would, if you are trying to build a team for the long haul, why would you go out and, and sign a 31 and a 30 year old and, tr and trade heavy assets for them? Like that's, mm -hmm. that's not what you do if you're trying to build for the long term. So unfortunately you have convinced me. Um, and that's, a guarantee that I will also be um, a bit of a a bit of a downer over the weekend. But next week Sorry. we will be back, and oh, hopefully geez. I will I will have some some Big Dave to bring me back to to life to give me some optimism, <laughs> and uh, we'll have some more recap and player grades and player reviews for you. We will get into some more shenanigans over the course of the week. But for now, I am Will Gottlieb. You can follow me at Twitter at will underscore Gottlieb. As always, on these CHGO Bulls HQ editions, I am with Mark K from Australia. You can follow him on Twitter at MK Hoops. We are at CHGO underscore Bulls, and we are brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Peace.